Today's podcast is brought to you by Two Before. Guys, as we go into the new year 2024, and as I look to tackle a bunch of goals, including racing an upcoming 5K, half marathon, and then spring marathon, a key product in my training and racing is Two Before. If you're not familiar with Two Before, Two Before is black currants, which are antioxidant berries grown in New Zealand. And studies have shown that consuming them regularly improves endurance by increasing blood flow and removing lactic acid. I have also found that it really helps in my recovery. It helps with recovery because it manages inflammation and it kickstarts the muscle recovery process, meaning you can hit the next training session feeling stronger than ever. I've used to before for like over half a year now and I consistently use it in my training. I feel better on the runs that I use it on and I definitely am a firm believer in this product. I highly recommend at least trying it out and seeing if it works for you. I've loved this product. It's used by professional running team 10 Man Elite. People have broken four minutes in a mile. You guys can try it out today and get 30% off to before with code the running effect 30. Again, that's the running effect 30. Not only does this get you 30% off, but also free shipping. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first episode of the new year. I'm your host, Dominic Schleter, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm thrilled for a big year. I'm super excited, and I'm looking forward to going on this journey with all of you. I appreciate all of your guys' support in 2023 and look forward to growing with you guys in the new year. I believe that 84% of listeners discovered the podcast in 2023, Um, so I'm excited to see the continued growth of this company, of this podcast, and appreciate all the support along the way. There's no better person to kick off the year than Eric Floberg. I came across Eric's YouTube channel a few months ago and immediately knew I had to get him on. And then I got a bunch of DMs uh, afterwards saying, you know, get get Floberg, as a lot of people call him, get Floberg on the podcast. He's broken 240 in the marathon. He is a very famous photographer, videographer. He's that guy. Uh, he's amazing. I thoroughly enjoyed talking with him. And today's conversation was honestly a wide array of topics. And a lot of times those are my favorite conversations where it's not super structured and you kind of just go down deep rabbit holes of different, deep, meaningful conversations. So I hope you all enjoy this really meaningful discussion and conversation with someone that's incredibly wise. And I'm confident that if you make it to the end of this conversation, you're going to be able to draw on and look back on a lot of wisdom that I think um, you can take with you into your everyday life. So without further ado, I hope you all enjoy my conversation with the man, the myth, the legend, Eric Floberg. Eric Floberg, a pleasure to welcome you on to the podcast. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great, man. I'm, uh, dude, all of your uh, pre-episode questions already have me so impressed by who you are as a person and your character. I I'm appreciate just going to say that off the bat. I'm excited to, to dive deep into this episode specifically because in those questions or in those two questions I ask every guest before every episode you said I'm fine to go deep into some rabbit holes so I'm sure we'll explore many in today's conversation first question for you that I'm interested in and I think you've documented this a little bit on the channel but you know podcast is unique because it's longer form what does a normal day in your life look like and how do you stay sane with all of the different hats you wear um quite literal hats. I have, I have so many (laughs) physical hats at this point. Um, honestly, I don't, I don't consider myself as like a really disciplined person when it comes to schedule. Uh, I think a lot of people are surprised by that because, uh, I think people are under the perception that anyone with any kind of platform online who finds success in 
in filmmaking or uh, media production, like they have to be so dialed in and type A and, you know, like they're constantly using every platform available, like Notion and all these online note-taking things. I'm just not really that person. Um, I don't really thrive in, in that kind of uh, structure, but I do in sort of like an analog structure. So I'll have like post-it notes all over my desk and a notebook of ideas and what I have planned for, you know, just the next two weeks to a month maybe. And nothing I ever make is outside of the documentary we just shot the past two years. I've never made anything outside of like one month from time. So a lot of times I'm just really checking in with the people who are closest to me and making sure like everything is okay, that I'm not, that my chaotic way of, of working and living and training um, isn't affecting anybody that's really close to me. Um, that being said, like I try to, I try to be disciplined and at least on my, my running, running in the morning or now that running is part of my career, uh, getting it in with, within my nine to five work day. So either before my kids wake up, um, or, or in the middle of the work day or after my kids are asleep and just constantly checking in with my wife and the, my studio mates here who I collaborate with often, um, just to make sure I'm not missing anything. We have things in the calendar. And as, as you've already noticed, and as the listeners will notice, I tend to uh, elaborate on a lot of my answers. Um, and I really think it's just an expression of how chaotic my mind is um, a lot of the time. And re really just kind of a, a direct representation of everything I just explained. It's hard for me to communicate it um, to other people. And I know a lot of people wouldn't be able to function uh, the way I do. But... I do love podcasts as well because it gives me the opportunity to kind of word vomit a little bit. So. <laughs> you mentioned not planning really over a month in advance. I feel like in culture, we hear a lot of, you know, you know, schedule one year goals, five year goals, 10 year goals. Where do you want to be in 10 years? Yeah. And, you know, make a detailed, super detailed path to get there. Yeah. What's your thought on that? And do you think it's a case by case person basis? Or do you think people should be more yeah. focused on, you know, the week to week, month to month, even day to day? Well, this is where everyone will just assume I'm a hypocrite because like all of my online education I do in the photo video realm and business and entrepreneurship, I always ask the question, like, what do you want to be doing five to 10 years from now? And so, but I, I think my question in that regard is very different than a lot of other people's um, in the, in the sense that what you were just saying is a lot of people ask that question. What, what's your one year, five year, 10 year plan? I don't really ask that question. I ask the question like, what do I, what do I want to be doing and what do I want my life to look like at that point? Because it's, it's never the case that you're going to be doing exactly the thing that you envision 10 years prior to, to realizing that thing. The world changes, you change, the people around you change, people come and go. And so I think it's more, for me, it's more of a mindset of, I, I look at it in the sense of like, first, what are my personal goals? Like, what do I want my family life to look like? What do I want my personal life to look like and be like and feel like? And a, and a very close um, partner in that is like, okay, what do the finances look like to be able to achieve that thing? And so that's where the entrepreneurial brain comes in for me in that like, okay, how do I functionally make that work? How do I make the personal goals work with the financial part? Because if you're working for yourself, you have to be disciplined in a certain capacity to realize those kind of big five, 10 year goals. 
And so I set those way off in the future. Like for me right now, some of those practical goals for myself are um, I want to be working less days a week to get more time in with my kids on weekdays. And we made the tangible change to homeschooling this year. So my wife homeschools all the kids, but uh, I would love to maybe get one day a week in where I'm actually teaching them instead of my wife four days a week because they have Fridays off, which is super cool. Um, but it gives us the flexibility of doing things like I want to be able to do a month long vacation with my family during a typical school year. And that'll give me the ability to still work during that time because I could be running, I could be making videos um, and enjoying family time and that whole process while we still do school with them. So that's like, and then, and then I start looking at functional things like we want to own more real estate in the future. So um, it's, it, then it, then it becomes a, a sort of a, a micro approach then it's like, okay, what are the baby steps I'm doing right now to keep building um, that financial base or whatever the next down payment is for another rental home or property um, what kind of business moves am I doing right now to set ourselves up for that kind of future? Um, and I've been able to lay a really solid foundation over the last 10 years to realize goals that we've already met in our personal life and ones that I want to continue making. I think a lot of places online, but specifically LinkedIn, that's where I kind of laugh at it. You see people in corporate America espouse the virtue of fatherhood, but I think very few actually put it into practice of actually tangibly trying to craft their schedule to spend more time with their kids. I think we live in a society where everyone wants to be crazy successful and normally that comes at yeah. the cost of time with your kids. And there was this viral Reddit thread um, way years back that it was like the only people who will remember you worked late 20 years from now are your kids, which is super interesting. Yeah. Um, and it, it went viral because, you know, there's a lot of good discussion within it. So I'm curious for you, have you always had that approach of like, I want to work as a means to an end so that I can spend more time with my kids? Or has that been a hard balance where like, you know, factually, even with the YouTube channel, you know, the more hours you put into it, the more subscribers you'll get. But is it worth the trade off of time with your kids? How do you balance all that? And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's interesting because I, you know, I have um, what I call my main channel is just my name, Eric Floberg, and I've grown that over the past five to six years. And I feel like I'm, I'm coming to a place with that channel where I'm, I'm kind of indifferent on what I want it to be moving forward. Um, it's a cool place to be able to do passion projects, creativity, sponsored deals, all these fun things. But I think in the beginning, it was it felt like it was a means to an end in that, like, once it was done. I could have all this time back with my family and now my career is evolving into a new channel with running and, and all these other brand deals and sponsorships and um, races and travel. Uh, so I think what my wife and I have come to grips with is that the way I thrive in living is like, I, I want to experience things personally. And I feel like if I, if I'm not doing that, I'm not really a, like a good person husband and father, like I'm just feeling depressed and I'm not inspired to have that time, spend that time. And there's plenty of people that can make the argument that um, that shouldn't be the case, but it's the past, uh, the past couple of years have been really beautiful uh, in my personal life and realizing a lot of those things because it's, I've, I've come to this huge realization of, I don't need more in the past couple of years. I've hit milestones financially in business and, you know, entrepreneurship where I'm like, 
this is great. Like, I don't, I don't need to keep, that's where, you know, going back to the conversation of the, the stereotypical one, five, 10 year plan, it feels so superficial in that sense of, I need to hit this number. I need to blah, blah, blah. But if there's no philosophical foundation behind that, it's so empty and it's so sad. And yeah, I'm at a place where I'm just like, I don't, I don't necessarily need more because I, I feel like I have enough self-awareness to realize if I just keep working hard with the hours that I do put in, if that's 30 to 40 hours a week, which is a very reasonable amount of work time, I don't, I don't need to have more. And so then it just becomes like, okay, let's be disciplined with how we spend our money, how we invest our money and how we work smart in the process and just always find balance. And it's really easy to be hard on yourself and entrepreneurship when it comes to personal life. And so just having grace for yourself and teaching, really, I want to teach my kids to have grace for me. Um, and I think a lot of fathers struggle with that where it's like, oh, I, you know, I, I, I messed up in this way, didn't spend time with them or got, you know, lost my temper or whatever. And then just recognizing like, well, if I go to them after that happens and we check in and everything's okay and we move forward and I admit that I did something wrong, um, I see so much more value in those kinds of interactions and teaching them that I'm imperfect and I have no expectation of them to think that I am and I have no expectation on them that they should be either. How do you find fulfillment in the moment, in the activity? I think that's something I really struggle with in the moment and you, you spoke to me because you were talking about like you know people you kind of said something to the extent of like you know people will think that this brings them happiness or this brings them fulfillment and that's something i struggle with too of like a year ago if you would have told me the progress of my company and podcast i would have been like elated but as i sit here today yeah. i like i don't care like i i it's kind of sad yeah. because it's like i'm looking for the next thing um, even like personally, it's like, okay, you know, you, you know, for me, I'm not married. Uh, I would hope not at 18, but like, I'm like, I would love to <laughs> get married one day and have kids. And it's like, well, you know, with your mindset, you're probably going to get to that point and still not be fulfilled because you haven't really mastered that skill. So what are some ways in which you've, you've tried to do that over the years? And this is purely a selfish question because I, I struggle with it so much. Yeah, man. Um, uh, I love your questioning, man. Uh, and if it isn't blatantly obvious, like I, I really don't care about the superficial parts of the internet and, and business. Um, I think it's, I think it's really fun and really exciting to do those things. And on a surface level, it's fun to celebrate and do that. But like, if you're not checking in with, with the whole concept of, you know, what is your why the Simon Sinek, you know, ethos, uh, what, what is the purpose of everything you are doing? Um, so and your question was, it was like, remind you, me again. Yeah, it was, yeah. How do you like find fulfillment in the things that you're doing now? Uh, yeah. Now in the present moment where your feet are versus like constantly yeah. trying to chase the next thing, accomplish the next thing, et cetera. Yeah. It's really, for me, it's been a culmination of everything I've talked about in the past few years of, of things being enough where if you are able to practice that thing where you you stand back and kind of doing the reverse one, five, 10 year plan, but go into your past and try to reflect on what would, what would 25 year old Eric think of what's happening right now. And it's, it's been a really beautiful experience. I even had it today. I took a, this is the most, yeah, this is the most, um, uh, 
narcissistic thing. Uh, it's, it's embarrassing to admit. I'm taking a photo of myself in the mirror because like the light was really cool. Uh, I, I love this new hat I got today. I'm taking, you know, I'm doing the typical uh, narcissistic Instagram YouTuber thing. I took a photo in the mirror and I'm just like, I'm looking at this photo. I'm like, what is, what is my life right now that I am like, I'm making money running and making videos about my running and my filmmaking and photographic career. I'm like, I have this incredible studio that I share with friends that is gorgeous and all this natural light pouring in and I, we have coffee over there. And I'm just like, it's, I think it's really beneficial to stop in, um, in every day in the normal things that you do. And just to realize like how beautiful the gains you've already made are. Um, another practical piece of that, like I just ran a CIM California international marathon and I got a massive new PR in Chicago. Um, under 240 in the marathon and then at cim i ran a 246 and i mean it's very natural to cross that finish line feeling defeated like it was a, a wasted effort and that it you know it it wasn't what i was capable of but i immediately started reflecting on what this entire year was my buddy clark immediately smashed that and was just like you've had you've had an absolutely insane year you know it's um it's wild to think like yeah, my, my goal is to get under 250 in April. And here I am upset with a 246 just six, seven months later. And um, and so that, that perspective and going backwards, I think, is really helpful for me um, and realizing like, okay, sure, there are goals that I still want to pursue. That, that There are always going to be things that are next. Uh, but it's really cool to sit back and just be like, well, look at everything that has happened. This is very special. We're 15 minutes into this conversation and I can already tell, and I don't tell this to everyone. You can listen to other podcasts. Uh, you know, I talked to so many people. I've talked to like over 300 successful individuals throughout the years of the show. And uh, I can tell you've, you know, acquired a lot of wisdom, both on running and life through your different experiences within it. I'm curious, are there a few you could pinpoint that you feel like got you to this point, a few different pivotal experiences in your life that you feel like have given you newfound wisdom or perspective on the game of life? Oh, man. Well, th thank you for saying that. Um, something I've, I realized very early in my, my creative career, I went to a workshop back in 2016 in Brooklyn, and I sat in a class by a photographer by the name of Max Wenger. And he said a phrase um, that was something along the lines of, I just found this notebook. It was super cool. I like dug up this, this notebook with my notes from seven, eight years ago. And the line he said was, uh, uh, you should be afraid of being the same as everyone else. And take that for what it's worth. But I ran with that sentiment because he, in his class, he talked about how he built up his wedding photography career. And he had started it around like 2005 where no one was really doing anything like you would see in wedding photography today. And so he like grabbed his sister and her boyfriend and got a bunch of red balloons and had this creative idea to do this wedding shoot. And then it got on like every internet blog. And then he just like hit the ground running with all these creative ideas in wedding photography and just birth a, a new or he really just carved a new path in that realm and so i walked away from 
that experience, uh, that class with my, my own iteration of that phrase. And it was lean into what makes you different. And, um, recently I heard from somebody else, um, as an entrepreneur, as a creative capitalizing on your own unfair advantages and then capitalizing on a compounding factor of those things as you progress as an individual. So you find one thing that that's why I like the internet because you like, you just throw something out there and you have an audience that's like, that's good. And you're like, okay, I thought so. I thought it was, that's great to hear. Cool. I'm going to keep doing that, but I'm going to do that with this new twist now. And you add the new thing and, and they just don't respond to that. And you're like, okay, I thought that was going to be good. I guess like, and not, not that that should dictate how you make art or how you should change or shape yourself, but in the, the healthiest way in my, my education, I always talk about the phrase, um, uh, comparison is the thief of joy. I think there's a ton of power in that phrase, but I mentioned this in a video I made with my friend Clark. Like if you can compare yourself to others and use the internet in a healthy way where you're not letting it be, um, your identity, but more of just a litmus test on like just what works and what resonates with people and what doesn't that really can help shape your creative voice. And so just pulling from all these different resources throughout the years of work and being like, I like this, I don't like this, and just putting it all together and making your own creative voice. I like the juxtaposition of like doing that as a creative artist, now doing that as an athlete, but ultimately doing that as an entrepreneur and applying creativity to entrepreneurship, I think is one of the most beautiful things and a really unfair advantage that we have as creative people to just and at the end of the day, entrepreneurs are, are creative people. Like they're coming up with new ideas, whether they're listed as, you know, or deemed as a creative or not. Um, I think there's a lot of beauty in the metaphors we can bring into, you know, me as a photographer, as a filmmaker, to bring that into other disciplines in my life, whether it be running or entrepreneurship at large. As you sit with yourself here today and kind of see the different things you've accomplished and the things you're doing in your day-to-day -day life, did you see any glimpses of that in young Eric, Eric as a child, whether it's creativity, maybe he was faster than the kids around the block, whether it's running, photography, filmmaking, creativity. Did you see any glimpses of that or did that kind of come to fruition throughout the years? Yeah. And I, I going back to the unfair advantage thing, I feel like, um, it, not that it's my favorite example, but I think Gary V over the years has, has talked about, um, like a good, level of self-awareness and i think there's something really true in that with with entrepreneurship and um with success in general is just recognizing like what you are good at what you're not good at and so to be perfectly honest like i knew i was naturally gifted in different things like growing up whether it be athletics you know like making and i was never like starting on the basketball team or anything but i could make the team but i noticed that i i had a natural gift in running as far as just like the first mile I ran, I was, I had the fastest time in sixth grade. So I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And I noticed that I could push through pain to run faster. But then I completely abandoned running after eighth grade because I hated it, you know, but there were tons of things like that. Like my sister and I grew up um, in kids choir. And so we performed a lot as kids. I sang on stage a ton. I was in musicals in high school and um, I picked up a camera really early in seventh grade and we made a class video that uh, we presented first in front of the whole class and the, and my group um, 
we filmed it over a weekend and, and just went crazy on it. And the whole class refused to present all theirs. And the teacher uh, gave everybody a B and just let them not um, present because they felt too embarrassed. And so there, there were moments like that where I was like, okay, this is fun. This is exciting. Um, and I want to, I, I really enjoyed using those kinds of creative skills or athletic skills to connect with people. Um, one of my favorite things was making videos that made people laugh. And so when I realized I could do that, it felt like a superpower in one sense. You know, I carried that through college and really turned it into my career as a wedding photographer and filmmaker and then into YouTube. Um, and so, yeah, it felt like a very natural progression that seeing that those kinds of skills at a young age um again sort of those unfair natural advantages just kind of capitalizing on those things and not being afraid to lean into them and so i'm seeing some of those things happen in my kids now and they're doing a lot of those same things like pogo sticking right now is just a massive thing in our house my parents got my oldest a pogo stick so he's like already going for the world record <laughs> online <laughs> which is so wild to say, but like, he's, he's just going for it. And uh, I want to keep like stoking the fire in them to do those things. Cause I see so much of myself in that. And I know the beauty that lies on the other side of like accomplishing those things and pursuing those things. Going off of the end of your response there with the context of the beginning of your response, kind of, you know, sharing you were put in specific situations that kind of made you the person you are today as a dad now, as a father, what are some things you're trying to do or put in front of your kids without forcing them to do it, but put them in the situations yeah. that you know will turn them into the people that you want them to become? And before I answer that too, I'm just kind of going off um, the last question as well. Um, I'm, always, I'm always so impressed by people who don't have any kind of quote unquote unfair advantage who pursue something and then become like elite at it. Like that always blows my mind. Because I always feel like a cheat in that whenever I find some sort of natural gifting in one lane or whatever, and I keep like compounding that thing, it, there's always a part of me that's just like, yeah, but I never really overcame any adversity to be good at this thing. Um, and I don't know, there's, I feel like there's part of that in my running because I, um, well, that's, that's a hard example because I said <laughs> that I had a natural inclination to it as a kid. But the marathon in particular, which we can get into this more, the marathon is what like truly humbled me in that way. It, it really felt like the first thing where I was like, I thought I could get away with a decent time and I didn't put in the work and it humbled me so much. But going back to the, uh, my kid's question, um, you know, obviously being so into running now and having been into so, running, so, so much running the last five years, uh, I never wanted to to try to push it on them in any way. They've been watching me do it, you know, for a handful of years now. And we had the first opportunity to do it at uh, a Thanksgiving turkey trot last last year. And this is where I see so much of myself and my two oldest sons. They're, they just, they ran incredible times for their age just on the first 5K. And I was like, well, that's really fun and really cool, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be the dad that's like, okay, we need to start we need to start going now, you know, and now. yeah. So really, I just want to, in anything, any pursuit that they have, I, my dad did a great job with athletics where I, I distinctly remember my freshman year, 
came to the spring. I had played baseball my whole childhood and I was good at it. I made all-star teams and stuff and was excited to, to try high school baseball. And I went to tryouts and they were just doing all these technical things like, all right, we're going to go into flex T position and do blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, this is miserable. Like I, baseball is supposed to be fun. Uh, that's how I see it. And so it was like 6 a.m. practices and I was like, nah, I don't want to wake up at 6 a.m. to do the flex T position. <laughs> like, I'm not interested. And so I could tell when I, I, I distinctly remember a conversation I had in my dad's workshop where I was like, dad, I don't think I want to do baseball. Like I'm, I'm hating these practices. It's really miserable. And I could tell he was, he was upset because he was just like, man, you've, you've invested a lot of time and energy into this sport over the past like 10, 12 years. And are you sure? Like, are you really sure you want to not do this? Because he, he just said, like, whatever you want to pursue, I'm going to, I'm just going to back you on that. So is it something you want to do or because he encouraged me. He was like, I think you could be a really valuable asset to the team. And I, and I was like, I recognize that. Um, but he's like, but if you don't want to, I'm not going to say you have to. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to. He's like, cool. And so I ended up doing gymnastics, which was super, a total left turn. And I had like, we had state championships and it was like a blast. Like I loved doing that. Um, and it was really random, but it was such a, such a fun experience to be a part of that team. And I never felt like I really regretted that. And so my long-winded answer back to my kids, there's a lot of that same thing. Um, they're both really interested in running. Like they really enjoy it. And so my oldest is very disciplined. Like he goes out and he trains on his own. Like he runs around our block and, um, and he, he's run another, we just ran another 5k and they both dropped really good times again and placed in their age division. And, and so I'm like, I, I'm just going to keep encouraging that, you know, if this is something you want to continue to do, like, yeah, let's keep doing it. I'm really excited for the possibility of us being competitive with each other in the marathon someday where I'm on my decline and they're on their incline. If that ever lines up, I think would be super special and really cool. Um, but yeah, if it's pogo sticking, it's pogo sticking. Like I'm recording it and he's going for three hours straight and I'm making sure the recording's going, you know? Um, and so, yeah, there's all those little things where it's like, I'm, I have no interest in pogo sticking, but I'm stoked because you're stoked about it. So. How much do you feel like you're, sporting journey gymnastics baseball running whatever it might be has inspired the creative side of you or do you view them as two separate worlds oh no they're so connected it's wild yeah um i mean it's it's obvious so many runners like have the same kinds of feelings of you know feeling deeply emotional on a certain workout or run or i see i see that if there's a venn diagram between the two it feels like emotion lies at the center of the the venn diagram where so much of, of sport, so much of athletics and, and um, competition, team work, that kind of stuff brings up so much emotion and feelings and so much of the creative realm elicits those feelings in, in a completely different way. And so on one side in the creative realm, it's this really sort of um, game of, of intelligence and working with the mind to, to elicit the emotion, um, you know, trying to elicit memories or using visual or audio as a medium to pull those things. 
And then not to say that visuals or audio can't do that in, let's say, running. Um, but the actual physical act tends to bring those emotions there a lot of times. And then it's paired with a lot of the things that happen on the, the side of cinematography as well. Um, one, one of my favorite things that people say whenever I make a race video or any other kind of intentional film in running is um, the comment, that section from here to here felt like what it feels like to run that part of the mm -hmm. race or that workout or whatever. And so there's that really deep connection there where like, I love exploring all the connections there. I am consistently seeing that people love cinematography. People love storytelling. And um, I think it's really cool and really profound that so many people are interested in that, in those mediums and in that art, because it's, it, it's clear that there are a lot of connections that, that people make uh, between the two. I mentioned this to you before we started recording that I discovered you later this year, maybe September is when I first came across your video. It seems like that was the case for a lot of people in the running community. It seems like you've kind of yeah. popped out of nowhere in 2023. But as you mentioned to me, like you have a whole separate YouTube channel and Eric, I'm going to be completely honest with you here. I had no clue you had a second channel until you just said that. And I yeah. went on YouTube and looked it up and I saw you had like 182 subscribers. I was like, oh, wow, that's uh, that's pretty significant. So take me through kind of your, I don't know, progression within media and your kind of intro into running for all the runners who probably only know you as Floberg. Yeah. Um, it's funny because there are it's it's weird to go to events now um, or just out in public. And people are like, if, if anyone comes up to me and they're like, oh, I, lo I love your work. I have to awkwardly be like, what, what part of my work? I like, I don't know. Cause I want to continue the conversation, but I don't want to be like, oh yeah, Chicago was crazy. And they're like, it is what <laughs> I'm like the race. And they're just like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, oh, you follow my photo video work. Got it. So, um, I picked up my parents camcorder a lot as a kid and had a, had a lot of fun with like, you know, neighborhood kids filming on a camcorder. But that seventh grade project where my friend sat me down and like he, he knew Windows Movie Maker and we were like doing a voiceover with a microphone and I saw editing on a computer for the first time. And it was just like, this is, it blew my mind. I was like, this is how they make movies. Like we actually have access to this. Um, so to, and that's dating myself um, weirdly, but uh, you know, like as soon as I got a Mac in college, I was on iMovie and, you know, just constantly doing the thing and, and having fun with putting that kind of stuff together. And so it was a lot of class projects through junior high and high school and into college, just making dumb videos with my friends. And one of my friends, uh, her sister was getting married. So she asked me to film her sister's wedding and I did it for 300 bucks. And that was back in 2010. And so I just built um, like my entire career on filming and photographing weddings then because friends and family just started asking for my services just by organically posting it online on Facebook and eventually Instagram and blogging about it. So um, once, once I realized I had a knack for that, similarly to, you know, um, any of the natural like things I felt like I was gifted in, I was like, okay, well, I had a career in teaching. I, I studied to be a special ed teacher. I taught for three years while I built my business, my photo video business. And um, in that time, uh, I had to I had to leave teaching after three years. It just exploded. And so I was like, well, if I have 
if I have this teaching background, then why don't I share my knowledge on this, this topic and teach other people how to build this kind of career. And so I had other friends in and on YouTube who were encouraging me to try it as well. So I just went full blast into that with the photo video stuff. And again, using all the unfair advantages with a bachelor's degree in teaching, I knew how to put a lesson plan together, which turned into an outline for a video. I knew how to perform because I was on stage as a high schooler and a kid. And so I was pretty natural in front of the camera. And so it was just a matter of perfecting more of my filmmaking skills in the process of just learning how to functionally do it, which that's one of my detriments is I, I don't study things before they do them. I do them. I tend to just jump into it. And as was the case for the marathon in, in 2017 and 2018. And I like, I'm just an idiot that learns along the way. And so, yeah, a lot of my stuff in the early days looks and feels very cringy on, on my, my main YouTube channel. Um, but it's really cool to see the progression of that over time. And so I saw the same kind of unfair advantage thing with the running space where I, I became very obsessed with, you know, Kofuzi and Seth James Damore and all the, the Ben Parks and running channel and all these platforms. Um, but I saw a gap and like, Oh, well I can, I can do this in a really cinematic way. Cause I have all these skills now. And so I was like, I'm pretty sure that would do really well. So I went for it and, Rest is history. Yeah. 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 You mentioned those names that I feel like a, a decent amount of our listeners would know. What do you think sure. sets you apart? You know, you mentioned the cinematic piece. Is there anything else that you feel like sets you apart from the other people? Yeah, I think there's, um, well, I love people's styles. Like, uh, in my breakdown video CIM, I'm up, I'm friends with Mike now, Kofuzi, and we, we were at the expo together and I was like grilling him about filmmaking on my GoPro. I was like, well, what, my, what should my GoPro settings be? And we got into like frame rates and nerdy filmmaking stuff. And like his approach functionally is very different than I would because I come from a more traditional cinematography background, if you will, like I'm self-taught. I don't, I didn't go to film school, but I, I lean more in that direction of, you know, anything about filming, filmmaking, shooting 24 frames per second and, and looking cinematic. Whereas he's pretty constantly shooting in slow motion and for action sport, and he's not coloring his footage or anything like that. And so, and he has no intention of being like me and I have no intention of being like him, but we both really respect each other's craft. Like I went in his podcast and he was, and we talked about him being an artist and he's like, I don't see myself as an artist. And now his runner weekend videos and the one, the things he's making now, like he's getting those comments from people like this is, this is art. And I think it is, I truly, I think it is as well. I think it's really profound the way he tells stories and, um, there's so much beauty in that because in my world of photo filmmaking, creative YouTube, it's so much redundancy of like the same stuff and the same styles and everybody doing the same thing. Uh, so much so that I'm like, I want to step away from it a bit because I love, I love running because in the creative world, so much of YouTube and the photo filmmaking side is, is people talking about nothing. It's just like, here's this new piece of gear, here's this superficial thing, and there's just no depth. It's like eating cotton candy and digesting that. Whereas the running, and everyone in that world is always like, story is king, story is blah, blah, blah. You know, story is the best thing, and no one's making a story. <laughs> and what's so cool about running is like, 
if you look at if you take my channel um if we look at it and zoom out there's an overarching story which is super cool where it's it's going through the years of work and progression that i've had but in each training block or each series and microcosm of that wider story there are smaller stories and so it could be the win of this one workout being the story that i'm telling or it could be that week or it could be the entire training block or it could be the you know so i have a a video coming out on the 31st of december that i'm so excited about because it's it's recapping this entire year and all the progression that was made in this year going from 257 in the marathon last fall all the way down to 239 and everything that happened in between and how it happened and um yeah at any given point i can i can step way back and tell the huge story um and those videos tend to really resonate on the channel but then people who come back reg regularly are very interested in the small stories like what's happening right now and so to appeal to that base of people who are watching on the day-to-day the -day, week to week month to month and then appeal to a way wider audience with the overarching story is really cool to kind of like just rubber band kind of back and forth each quarter, if you will, you know. What wins mean the most to you? Is it the running wins? Is it the business wins? Is that the YouTube, Instagram wins, content wins? Like what gets you most fired up from a victory perspective? This is where the sentimental part of me is just like, it's, it's family first for me. Like if I, if I um, get the feeling like this morning I did the dishes and I could tell my wife was really happy about that before I left for work and I jumped into an edit and that pissed her off. So there's like, it's a dichotomy. It's both. Um, but like those moments, like where I, um, I gifted our two oldest boys with uh, tickets to go see the bears. And I, I invited my dad as well. My dad has been a, a, a lifelong Chicago Bear fan and he's never been to a game. And so the four of us are going on Christmas Eve and this is where the sap comes out in me, man. I, uh, my uh, relationship with my dad has uh, really blossomed this past year. And uh, I'm sorry, man. Um, there's a, a film I made last year called my father's son on my main channel <laughs> and uh it was uh it was technically a fictional story um starring me and and my son but i pulled um i pulled footage from my childhood and my dad cheering for me at a track meet and uh and it and it uh relayed into my relationship with my own son and so i'm seeing just just really beautiful time in my life right now where I'm seeing like sports and my personal life and the connections I have um, w with my family and generationally um, just seeing growth and healing and just really cool stuff happening. I, I personally get so much more satisfaction out of all of that. Um, the conversations I have with my parents after a marathon you know, and seeing my family out on the course. CIM was the first one where my wife wasn't at a race out of 11 marathons. So that just felt super weird, you know? And uh, so that's my answer. Uh, that's like, that's, that's, that's what I really care about most. Um, you know, if it's, if we're talking about the, the business side, like I just, I get really excited to make YouTube videos. Like I just, 
to to a fault with my friends like i had to check in with my 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 close buddy here steven the other day i was like i kept you know he was struggling and he just made a video about this on his channel um he was really struggling with a lot of anxiety this summer and fall and i kept out of excitement just turning to him and being like i got this deal i got the blah 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 i'm super excited like oh you know this happened and I just checked in with him one day because he's never one to like bring it up and be like, hey, can you stop doing that? I was like, has that been annoying? And he's like, yeah, kind of. And I'm like, okay. So I think I can get just super hyped up and really excited about sharing everything that's happening in my life. Um, but I, again, going back to that personal side, I, I like, I realize that can be very much interpreted as narcissism and like, um, very self-entitled with people's time and so it really i really truly feel like it's coming from a place of just sheer passion like i just i'm so excited about all the things that are happening but that can directly affect my friendships my family life because it's not all perfect like i can tell these stories about all the beautiful things happening but like i had one of the most difficult interactions with my my oldest son this past weekend like it was one of the hardest things I've ever gone through as a parent. And so like both of those things are, all of those things are all happening all at once. Man, I'm going way deeper than- No, I love this. This is, <laughs> this I thought is I amazing. <laughs> we'll, we'll go even deeper here and we'll, we'll wrap up here soon. I think I realized Derek like five minutes into conversation. I was like, this is, he's going to be a reoccurring guest because I feel like there are so many different, like we haven't even gotten to your races and I'm not sure we will yeah. and that's okay. But yeah. I think that's the beauty of podcasting is that as I told you before we started recording, it's truly a conversation and that's what yeah. makes it so beautiful. So um, we've gone down deep rabbit holes and I, I think that's what makes this conversation special. And I look forward to looking back on it one day, uh, going deeper a little bit more. I'm curious for you specifically in that response there, but I think I've seen hints of it all throughout this episode, you're an extremely like honest and vulnerable person. And I think those two traits have started to be more positively espoused in culture recently, specifically you hear like vulnerability, vulnerability, but like very few people actually do it. I think it's one of those things that um, people say is good, but very people, very few people are actually like honest and open up about tough things are willing to be emotional or willing to talk about things like, you know, being able to provide for your dad to, you know, fulfill this lifelong dream and how special it is to share that moment with not just your dad, but also your two sons. Where do you think that comes from? Have you always been open and honest and vulnerable? Or do you think that's something that's come with time? Yeah, I think in the same sense of like oversharing and being too excited about the things that are happening, I think sometimes I can be too vulnerable to friends and family, you know, like, uh, a popular phrase recently I've, I've seen on, on the internet is trauma dumping. Not necessarily that I have like trauma or anything, but like oversharing things that are happening when people aren't ready for it. I'm, uh, I can feel, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, vulnerable <laughs> uh, when I do that because I don't know how it's being interpreted. So, but for me, it, in a positive light, it, I think going and trying therapy for the first time in 2021 was super eye-opening for me and recognizing that I'm going to do everything in my power to be fair and honest and um, helpful to people around me, giving people a fair shot. 
and not writing them off as crazy or, um, you know, if we don't line up on things worldview wise, politically, like any of those things, um, that I could still give people respect, um, and be mature, but also recognize that I should expect that in return for myself, like within reason, obviously. And if I say something or do something that makes people feel that way, or I overshared, or they don't agree with this thing that I said, like I could stand confident in knowing that I've thought about these things deeply and that I believe in them. And if they're not willing to give me the grace or um, like have that kind of flexibility for me and how I'm doing that for them, then it's like, that's okay. And I don't need to feel anxious about that. And that's been really eye-opening for me to just be more of myself um, and be more open about what I'm going through. And I think that's something I've really struggled with, with my main channel in particular, is I think there's so many things I want to say on, in that space and on that platform that I've been afraid to for a long time because of what backlash could potentially look like. I, I'm an open book about my finances on that channel, which was, which is a pretty horrifying thing to do. But every time I make one of those videos, everyone's just like, thank you so much for like truly actually breaking it down in a real way. And so part of me is wanting to do that on more of a personal level too. Even just the sentiment of like, with how divisive um, politics and worldview things can be in our culture now and worldwide, not being afraid to, I'm not, I'm not saying like, I'm gonna go up there and just start like preaching what I believe. I think that's pretty inappropriate because <laughs> the web is not a good place to have those conversations like specifically, but to share more of a message of like, no, have those conversations. Don't do it on the internet. Like sit down with someone over coffee or like share a meal and don't be afraid of engaging in those thoughts with mutual respect for each other as adults, as people with thoughts and feelings who are human. And I think as honestly, it feels like that's what we're struggling with most, um, at least in the States right now, um, is just like no one really truly willing to listen to each other or respect values or principles that you have on whatever side of the aisle the argument is. Um, I have no idea how I got to this part of the conversation. <laughs> I don't know if it's an extension of the question, but like that's, yeah. So I think, I think conversations like this, and I've been having this conversation with friends and family a lot recently leads me to believe that I need to be making stuff like this, like on the artistic side and really appealing to people and just being like, I really have no interest of bringing up examples of what might be divisive because I don't care to have that chatter. But to just be like, you think it, you know, you know what they are. Good, you think about them. And then just think about how you could maybe still be in the same room as someone who has that opposing view. And to relate it back to running, I think it's really cool because so much of that is just not, it's, it's, it's like, it's just not there most of the time. And when it is, I feel like people can still exist in the same spaces because we have this mutual respect in the effort, you know, like in the thing that we do and the physical act of showing up together and like putting our feet to the pavement and pursuing our own goals together helps us focus on like 
one thing we can just all agree on and whether that's, you know, I don't know, like cheesy or whatever. Uh, I think it's incredibly special. Like it's honestly unbelievably special that we get to share something like that in such a chaotic moment of our history. Um, and I think that's why so many people are flocking to, to running right now. Like the fact that everybody can just like come out to the streets and some, something like New York city marathon, and everyone just celebrates. And it's just like this, this beautiful manifestation of, of effort and, and togetherness, uh, I think it's just so special and so cool. And I feel like I'm giving it some sort of inspirational type talk now. But, um, <laughs> we'll take I hope it. you get the sentiment. We'll take yeah. it. Yeah, no, totally. Two, two final questions for you, Eric. First one, I'm sure you've reflected on this with your YouTube videos, specifically as your kids get older, kind of the aspect that in the digital age, your kids, your grandkids, your great grandkids, as long as Spotify will be up, they'll be able to listen to this podcast episode or be able to go see you run 239, hopefully faster in the marathon. And it's really kind of a unique <laughs> aspect that I feel like we aren't aware of enough that like, you know, God willing, when I have kids one day, they'll be able to listen to my voice throughout the years, have conversations with cool people like yourself. So I want to take this opportunity to kind of have you put something in a time capsule for whoever listens, whether it's future Eric, your kids one day, your grandkids, mm -hmm. whoever it might be. What do you want them to know about Eric Floberg? at 3.04 p.m. on December 14th, 2023. I guess 2.14 for uh, my Chicago guy. 3.14 yeah. EST time. Um, <laughs> I think the, the thing that just comes to mind is if I'm speaking directly to my kids, it's that um, at no point have I thought I'm perfect or will I ever think I'm perfect and I'm an imperfect creature just attempting to navigate life in the same way I saw my parents do it. And um, whether that's in business, athletics, relationships with family, um, just to know that um, you need to rely on the people around you to navigate the imperfection. And like life is difficult and challenging in so many multitudes and linking arms with the people that are closest to you and the relationships and bonds that you have um, is what's going to help you process that imperfection and find the beauty and moving forward and, and living a, a meaningful and impactful life for yourself and those around you. Final question for you to close out part one of many uh, with Eric Flober. What would be your final takeaway message you want to leave with our audience today? Could be anything, could be running, creative, life-related whatever you want to give the people. Well, whenever I went on like photo video podcasts, it was always like the lean, lean into what makes you different. That phrase, um, it's what I championed for so long on my, my channel, but I've been going through a bunch of different phrases on the running side. Um, and the one that comes to mind that has really been resonating recently is be, be about it. I like it. I like it. Short and be simple. About it. Gets to the point. Eric, final question for you. The question I ask every guest on every single podcast, if you had Gordon Ramsay coming over to your house for dinner, what would you choose to make for him? Bro, you're asking the wrong person on this one. <laughs> An easy way of answering this would be like, what does your wife say you're best at making? You don't know. <laughs> that's, not, that's, not, that's not a good Cereal, question. Cereal for your kids in the morning? 
Bro, yeah, it's bad. I mean, whenever I do try something, it's not it's not bad. I think I if I really if I really uh, went for it with cooking, I could be good. I can make like a decent fried egg. I'm not gonna give that to Gordon Ramsay though. If I had good coffee beans, I could make him a pour over. I'll give you that. Eric, it's been a, a privilege and a pleasure speaking with you, and more importantly, learning from you. Like I, I genuinely think that every conversation I have, I, I learn something, but sometimes if someone were to say, you know, what'd you learn? I would have to dig deep and think through with you. I feel like there are a multitude of things mm. off the top of my head. So I appreciate you sharing the wisdom today on the podcast and excited to continue to see you crush it in life running with your family, whatever it might be. Um, I will say my dad's from Wisconsin, so go Packers. Uh, but uh, yeah, Yikes. appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Man. <laughs> <laughs> It was great talking to you, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. I don't take your time for granted, so I hope that it brought you some wisdom and value that you can apply directly into your running and into your life. If you have not already done so, please consider giving us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And then something all of you guys can do is share today's episode or the podcast in general with a friend or someone who you think will benefit from it. One more note, if you're not already following us on Instagram, consider doing so. My Instagram tag is at The Running Effect. I hope your running and life is going well. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy life to listen to today's episode. I will catch you in two days when the next episode drops. Until then, happy running.